Joel tonight, the book of Joel. <clears throat> Joel chapter 1. <clears throat> the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. <clears throat> Awake, ye drunkards, and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word tonight. And, and Lord, uh, I thank you for the good services this morning and uh, the messages from your word, both for children and adults, and uh, the Sunday school hour and the worship hour. Father, we're thankful that we have the living word of God uh, and uh, that we can hear it and, and follow it, obey it by your spirit. God, help us in that same uh, uh, tonight, we pray. And Father, I pray for uh, my dear wife watching the children, fill her with your spirit and be with her and, and uh, help her there. And I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers already and knowing that you are working things, Lord, according to your will. I thank you for those that are with us online again tonight as well. And I pray that... You would just speak to us, God, that we might see uh, uh, through this lesson, Father, your power, your grandeur, your, your desire to awake people uh, uh, to your might and power, that we might consider our frailty, that we might consider we have an end and we will stand before you one day. And So, Father, uh, may your word go forth. May you help us by your spirit and uh, may you glorify your son. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, I just felt led to go through the, maybe spend a couple messages on the book of Joel uh, when we finished Joseph. And so... Uh, going to do that. I've seen God's hand and confirmation in that along the way. Uh, the prophet Joel, so I don't have a official outline tonight. It'll be kind of a Bible study type thing, but yet we'll reap uh, some things that we can learn from that, and I pray be uh, challenged and helped, uh, helped by God uh, in that. Well, as we read this uh, book of Joel, and he is in uh, uh, the portion of the Bible which we call the Minor Prophets. Uh, minor not meaning that they're less important than the others, but rather their, their books, their letters are smaller uh, than the others. And uh, he gives us uh, the details of a, uh, a catastrophic uh, locust plague that is ravaging Judah in his days, a prophet uh, in Judah. He calls the people to repentance. And to uh, and to see God, we'll see as we as we go down through uh, uh, the remaining portion of portion of uh, chapter uh, of chapter one. He calls them to repentance, 
And uh, it's a fitting thing because, of course, Joel uh, was under the Palestinian covenant. Uh, there were promises that they have for, uh, uh, in regards to how they lived and how they served God in the land, Israel, when God brought them in. Uh, Moses uh, outlined uh, some of those portions of that covenant in, Roses, in, Moses, in, De- in Deuteronomy 28, 15 and following. It shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Uh, cursed uh, uh, shalt thou be in the city, cursed shalt thou be in the field, cursed shalt thou be thy basket and thy store. Deuteronomy 28, 38. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shalt gather but little in, for the locust shall consume it. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 42. All thy trees and fruit of thy land shall the locust consume. This is part of the curses that God said would come upon uh, Israel if they did not obey him while they were in the land. So it would be natural for a prophet uh, to be seeking this and, uh, and wanting to know, you know God's working here and what God would have them to do. Uh, uh, he also speaks through his letter of uh, uh, the current plague of locusts as a harbinger of uh, greater judgment from God which is yet to come uh, their way in chapter 2 Joel looks to the future and warns of armies that God will send against this people to bring judgment upon them uh, for their sins Uh, perhaps the Assyrians, Babylonians and perhaps further even into the, in, in, into the future than that. Uh, in uh, Joel 1, uh, 1 through 4, we start there and we read uh, those first four verses. And uh, uh, we'll comment on some, those more, some more in, in a minute here. Um, but he, he's speaking of a terrible locust plague. Now, Joel is kind of a hard book to date. Because Joel uh, doesn't mention any kings, whether Gentile kings or, 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 or Jewish kings. Uh, and uh, neither is his father Pethuel mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. It's the only place we find his father's name mentioned. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, uh, Joel, uh, the name Joel there is mentioned some 20 times in the Bible. And uh, the only two times it refers to, to the prophet Joel, as far as we can see, is, is here and when Peter references him in the book of Acts. So none of the other Joels in the Old Testament, as far as we can know, uh, are, are the Joel that, 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 is, that, that we see writing here. Uh, most place Joel uh, during the time of the divided kingdom. Uh, of course, that would be uh, uh, after uh, uh, during during the time of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, uh, because he he mentions in his letter he mentions uh, Judah and Jerusalem, and we find those designations. You know, Israel was Israel. Uh, we find after the divided kingdom, then we find what Judah and uh, uh, and, and 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 you know and uh, and the southern kingdom Israel or uh, be, being. Uh, Northern Kingdom Israel being mentioned, Southern Kingdom Judah, Northern Kingdom Israel. <coughs> um, so uh, he mentions that. Uh, now it's interesting. His father's name, Pethuel, means vision of God, vision of God, and Joel's name means Jehovah is God. <laughs> so uh, that's interesting. Uh, what we see, what we see there. He can. Uh, I've read some places that that because it's so hard to date, they just place him anywhere in the divided kingdom. You know, from, from, from Rehoboam all the way to the end. 
It's unsure where he goes. I think Schofield places him him first in the line of er, early in the line of the of the of the minor uh, prophets, uh, and uh, William F. Albright places him around 835 to 800 B.C., uh, which which would be the time time around uh, Joash uh, in uh, Israel and such. But he. Uh, this would make him in in uh, in the prophets that we have recorded as the minor prophets, and by the way, the major prophets as well, uh, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and such. He would be the first writing prophet among them, and so he's uh, that would put him rather early or early in the scriptural uh, in, in in the scripture account. Uh, so uh, Joel, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. So first of all, this is the proclamation of the word of the Lord. This is not just man, some man watching, and now they've been struck by a locust plague, and he's going to tell us how he feels about it and what he thinks it might mean, okay? Uh, no, God is working through all of this, and he's going to give a, a clear message. It is God doing the work through Joel. This is inspired scripture. This is what God wants to say to us through Joel about this locust plague, okay? And uh, so we get that uh, right, right off the bat. As with all the prophets, uh, it's not the human nature outpouring. It's the Holy Spirit working through that, working, working through Joel. Verse 2, hear ye this, old men, give ear. Hear ye this, ye old men, give ear. Uh, all ye inhabitants of the land, hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your father? So now, being moved by the Spirit of God, Joel begins to pen uh, the words that God has, uh, has for Judah under, under inspiration. He appeals to the aged men, uh, those to observe that which is before them and give testimony. Uh, he says, do you ever see anything like this in your life? Or, your, or, or how about your, how about your, your, uh, you know, your, your parents? Uh, have, they, have you seen anything like that? And uh, and so uh, this, this negates the idea that some, some say, well, the whole thing is just, uh, it's like an allegory, but it's just a story. It's a story about a, you know, a perspective locust plague, or, or, or you know, it's, a, it's, the, it's a locust plague type vision, but it really has just spiritual truth. It didn't really happen. Well that, well, that just negates that because Joel is saying what? Look before you, aged men. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this? So they're, they're what? They're seeing it with their eyes. They're seeing it uh, with their eyes. He again appeals to that witness in Joel 1.16. Is not the meat cut off before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. So now this is a real plague. Uh, it's happening. And, uh, and God is going to, uh, you know, to speak, uh, to speak uh, some things through it. Uh, in verse 3, tell your children of it. And let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Pass this on. Pass this on. So God is showing through Joel what? There are going to be some benefits for future generations to know about this. I want you ready to pass this on. Uh, you know, what, what, uh, what you learn through this. Uh, and so uh, there's some importance here. Some different views. We look at at verse 4 uh, and there have been some different uh, views on what is written here that which the palmer worm hath eaten uh, we got the palmer worm we have the locusts there listed 
Uh, we have the canker worm listed. We have uh, the caterpillar listed uh, in that order, saying, you know, one comes and eats so much, the other picks up there, and, and it just seems like an utter uh, devastation and devouring of, of all things, you know, green and such, and just making a great uh, devastation. And there's been a lot of uh, discussion on what exactly those that's talking about there. Some say it is, it is different, it is, it is a different stage of locusts. Some say it's different insects. Some say it's poetic language for waves and waves of locusts. Brother Charlie, would you give me a glass of water again, please? Thank you. <clears throat> poetic language for waves and waves of locusts. Um, well, we think about that. And uh, if we look at the, at, the, at the Hebrew words in that, uh, many times you'll, you'll read the note and it says unused root. And they're not, it's not, it's not, they're not frequent things that you find in the scripture. Uh, but the meaning of the roots, I can give you in order. The meaning of the roots, uh, uh, of, of the roots of the word. Uh, the, fir the, the first one, uh, palmer worm, the meaning of the root of the word is, to de is devour. The next one, locust, the meaning of the root of that Hebrew word is swarm. Uh, the next one, canker worm, the root, uh, root of, that, uh, of that worm, uh, I mean, of that, the uh, uh, meaning of that Hebrew, of that Hebrew word is uh, lick up and then caterpillar uh, the root of that Hebrew word is consume so there's kind of an eye uh, di different meanings in the in those words there uh, I kind of think personally that it's probably phases of the locust and I'll give you some reasons for that uh, we'll talk some about about locusts a bit and uh, learn some things about them. Uh, but locusts are a collection of a certain species of shorthorn grasshoppers, and they have a swarming phase. Uh, the insects are usually solitary, but under certain circumstances, they become more abundant and change their behavior and habits, becoming gregarious. And uh, no real difference between locusts and caterpillars. Some species of caterpillars with the right climate conditions can become gregarious and, and then as they grow and able to fly and become able to fly swarm and become swarms of locusts some species of, cat, uh, of, of, uh, of grasshoppers not all but, but some can become, can become locusts and uh, uh, the stages of the locusts uh, they start out, of course, of course the, uh, uh, the, the egg there. From the egg, uh, the locust egg generally hatches about two weeks after they're laid. Uh, and the baby locusts are referred to as hoppers or, or nymphs. Over the next month or, uh, uh, to two months after hatching, the nymph locusts go through five molting stages. Five molting stages called instars after the fifth instar the, lo the locust wings are fully developed and they're called fledglings then after the fifth molt uh, they're called fledglings the fledglings cannot fly yet they have their wings uh, they can't fly yet their bodies are apparent are approximately it takes their bodies approximately seven days to harden 
and become capable uh, of flight. And during the early stage of the adult life, uh, the locust must continually feed on vegetation in order to store up uh, the energy necessary for reproduction and flight. I was looking up that old King James word uh, 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 of uh, uh, caterpillar there too. And it can refer to uh, the larva and stuff of certain flies also, the, old, the King James word there. So uh, there's, there, there's some room there for, uh, you know, for, for some interpretation. And uh, so we see the stages uh, that, the locusts, that the locusts go through. And, you know, when I think about that, you know, if, if Joel is as early uh, as, uh, as some believe, folks, we're talking about a thousand years ago. That's a millennium. Anybody think a species could disappear in a thousand years? You know, there could, there could have been a species of, of grasshoppers that went through every one of those stages in some different way, perhaps, that maybe we can't fit together today, and they're not even around now. You know, they may not even be the same locusts as we see today. Or it could have been these phases. I think there's enough change in the locusts. You know, uh, there's more changes than actually what they listed here. As far as, far as you know, the, the crops being eaten and them going from, you know, from, from one, one thing to another. So it's interesting to, just to consider that. So uh, Joel continues, verse 5, Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl, all ye uh, uh, drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is cut off from your mouth for a nation has come upon my land strong and without number whose teeth are the teeth of a lion and he hath the cheek teeth uh, of a great lion and uh, some have considered that he has to be talking about an army here not actually a locust because it uses the word nation however sometimes the Bible also what personifies animals uh, we have the, the conies. The Bible talks about the conies. They are a what? A feeble people. <laughs> and, and, and of course, it's talking about an animal there. There are places where the, when, the, when the Bible talks about animals, it, it, it personifies them. Uh, you know, the, the ant doesn't have a king or ruler, but what? She stores up her food and such, you see. So uh, uh, we see that. Talking about the locusts. Verse 7. He hath laid my vine waste, hath barked my fig tree, hath made it clean bare, hath cast it away, the branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering, the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests of the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. Uh, verse 10. The corn wasted, the new wine dried up, the oil languisheth. Uh, be ashamed, O husbandmen, uh, how... Uh, o ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished, the vine is dried up. Uh, he goes on to say, he says, uh, he says, verse 13, Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar, lie in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat offering, the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Verse 17, the seed is rotten under the clods, the garners are laid desolate, the barns are broken down, the corn is withered. Uh, verse 18, how do the beasts groan? The, 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 the herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. What do we see? From drunkards, uh, perhaps the lowest class of the people, to the priests, uh, those who uh, had a part in ruling and great decisions in the kingdom, to the priests, what? It affected everybody. The beasts of the earth. This great uh, uh, plague of God, this great plague of locusts, this great uh, uh, 
a catastrophe, what? Affects everybody. And that ought, to, that ought to show us the power of God, amen? Uh, uh, that he can, he can affect the world. By the way, even plant life right down to the seed was affected. From the tree right down to the seed. The whole gamut. This thing, this thing has affected. And, uh, and, and so we see that the power in that. Verse 15, we see, he says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And a as a destruction... From the Almighty shall it come. Now here he's, he's talking about something ahead yet. He's already seen great destruction. But what's coming ahead? Well, it's, it's, it's actually, it can be two things. One of the things that's, come, that's coming ahead, lest, lest they repent and things change, is starvation. <laughs> that's what's next. <laughs> uh, and, and all that comes with the locusts destroying your land. That's coming ahead, lest they repent. But what else? It's also a picture of the coming day of the Lord which is a theme throughout the prophets. We'll, we'll see that. It's, it's often, per, often seen in, in events that happened before. And I think this, is, this would certainly be uh, one of those that, that, that would picture that. And uh, he goes on, the meat's cut off before our eyes, verse 16. How did the beast groan? We saw that already. Uh, verse 19, O Lord, to thee will I cry. The fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness. The flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up. Uh, great disasters. Great, uh, uh, this great plague of locusts. Uh, what can we, what can come from such disasters as this? God has been trying to reach this world since the fall. Uh, Hosea 5.15 I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Of course, God talking about his people. If I afflict them, they'll seek me. Psalm 119, 67. Interesting. We kind of went some, Brother Chris, I think, tests on some of these in his lesson this morning. Uh, Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I've kept thy word. You see, affliction many times does God's people good. Where, how, where has the church grown? Under persecution. And many times that's the case. Affliction. Affliction. Uh, Acts 14, the Apostle Paul is, uh, is trying to uh, dissuade uh, some people from worshiping him. And he's, he says in part of his message to them, he says, God in, in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Who gave us the rain and fruitful seasons? God did. God ex wants to, expects the world to know that. That's part of, that's part of the, 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 the message of creation. So by the way, when they're taken away, who takes them away? God does. God does. Sometimes when we want to discipline our children, what, we give them good things, then what happens when we, they need discipline? We withhold the good things that we've given, don't we? Because we expect them to realize that the good things have come from us. And now they're being disciplined. When God takes away those seasons, those fruitful seasons, he expects the world to say, oh, 
what happened God the goodness was coming from you of course the problem is today don't most don't acknowledge that we're going to see that here in, in, in a minute as well but this is what God isn't it interesting that even though God knows many people many are going to reject God knew that Israel was going to reject the Messiah when he sent him didn't stop him from sending him did it matter of fact he used it in his, in, in his plan of salvation it was, in, it was in his plan these, these disasters and such he's given to all life and breath and all things he, 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 he's made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the earth uh, he hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation Acts 17 that they should seek the Lord for in him we live and move and have our being uh, he wants the world to realize that he's in control we see these awesome things that ought to teach that lesson. And nations believed all the way they wanted them to believe. And the Bible says many years before the revelation of Christ, and, and Paul wrote in Acts 17, or, or Act, Paul said in uh, Acts 17, 30, Luke writing, uh, says, The time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. Didn't we see that in Job already? I mean, in Joel already. Repent. Repent. Because he had appointed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, wherever he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Repent. Repent. <clears throat> That's what God wants the world to do. Uh, there is. There is a locust plague going on right now in our world. In uh, uh, India, moved over uh, to uh, Kenya and South and and, uh, and, uh, and East Africa, Kenya and Somalia and all those area there. It's grievous, a grievous uh, uh, locust plague, <clears throat> and uh, they are recording. Uh, uh, they're, they're saying hundreds of thousands in some of those swarms. Uh, I saw some reports that had said billions. I saw for the first time one report that said trillions. Uh, in Kenya, it is the worst locust plague uh, in, in 70 years in Kenya uh, right now. And, uh, and, and, and they're worried about food shortages. The UN is involved and such in, in, this, in, in this great locust plague and, try, and trying to figure out, trying to figure out uh, what to do. And uh, uh, what we read about that, uh, uh, the, these grasshoppers, it says, he says their numbers are low. They don't pose a major economic threat usually, but under subtle conditions, suitable conditions. We talked about that of drought followed by rapid vegetation growth. Uh, uh, they become migratory. The populations become dense. They form bands of wingless nymphs, which later become swarms of winged adults. Both the bands and the swarms move around rapidly in strip fields and cause damage to crops. The adults are powerful flyers. They can travel great distances, consuming most of the green vegetation wherever, they, wherever the swarm settles. And they have said that uh, the cause of it is, you know, uh, it is, uh, was uh, moisture. Uh, brought in from some storms that were normally dry areas, which allowed the lay the eggs and the, uh, the, the 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 locust eggs to hatch and to get and then warm temperatures coming for them for the eggs to be laid hatch warm temperatures coming for them to grow uh, in, in these areas and uh, and they've been the right conditions for that and they here's what and here's the interesting part you know what they blame for that 
global warming. Global warming has brought the locusts, okay? Locusts. This is Kenya. Worst infestation in 70 years going on right now. By the way, this started back in 2019, getting real bad in December of 2019. Why haven't we heard much about it? Because <laughs> of what's going on, because of the COVID thing. They're dealing with that too. Uh, a swarm of locusts can eat as much as 2,500 people would eat in one day. A locust eats his weight, every, each locust eats his own weight in food every day. Every day. And there are billions of locusts, these swarms. There's a picture uh, of one. I tried to get a video, but I couldn't get it to download right. Just awesome, awesome, aw awesome to look at. And what is God trying to say? You know, I think this and, 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 and other things, God is trying to say, people wake up. People wake up. This world is being, is, is under judgment. And you need me. Life is short and you can't handle it without me. God in his mercy, what? Is still reaching out, isn't he? He's still trying to reach out, out to people. I like this one headline. Science may not be enough to prevent the African desert locust plague in East Africa. Yeah, it may not be enough. Well, it's there, so apparently it wasn't enough. They've been studying this for years. Are they able to stop it? No, no, no. They, they, they blame it on climate change. They say they'll get it, they'll get it figured out, you know, figured out eventually. How about turning to God? <laughs> you know, uh, one, one place says, Here, here's the answer. Implementing existing environmental protection policies. <laughs> that way we can curb global warming. Uh, inst implementing existing environmental protection policies uh, and consistent resource allocation to national regional organ organizations ultimately be the difference, along with coordinating with scientists. Scientists are our are, are supposed saviors today. Uh, amazing. Um, it's interesting when I was led to to uh, teach just for a couple days out of Joel. I didn't know about this. I started looking for just for some information on locusts, and boom, there it was all over, all, all over the headlines. It's like, okay, maybe God was telling me, "Wake up! I'm <laughs> I'm doing something. Uh, I, I'm trying to reach this part of the world." And, uh, and at the same time, uh, wifey was uh, went over to Sylvia's, and Sylvia uh, gives her uh, massage every week, and she, what a blessing that is, I tell you. And we're thankful for that. And Sylvia had shared a story with her uh, that was right along this line. And I'm going to read that in, in, in closing. Uh, you know, we need God. <laughs> and uh, if anything, these things, we ought to realize this is a... This is a this, we, we can't handle this life without God. We need to be, God is trying to get us to call upon his name. He's trying to get us to realize our need for him, always. See, he is the answer. From 1873 to 1876, hordes of grasshoppers, Rocky Mountain locusts, but everyone called them grasshoppers back then, descended on Minnesota on the, on the Minnesota crops and caused major agricultural and economic devastation. As the growing season of uh, 1877 approached, state entomologists studied the situation, found billions and billions of grasshopper eggs were just waiting to hatch. 
Over 50,000 of the state's 80,000 square miles were affected. The etymologists warned that the previous four years of the infestations would be considered minor once the new hoppers hatched. This was taking place less than 20 years after Minnesota had become a state. Most farmers were truly still pioneers living in log cabins and rough plank houses. They were by no means wealthy. There were no pesticides, no insecticides, and no effective way to control the bugs that often stripped whole fields bare overnight. The most effective method of controlling the pests was the hopper dozer. Not that in quotes. A sheet of metal coated with coal and tar dragged through the field like a large piece of flypaper. Even, even though certain countries paid bounties per bushel of dead hoppers, nothing could control the ravaging plague. In 1877, the governor of Minnesota was John S. Pillsbury. Yes, of the Pillsbury Company. John S. Pillsbury. There were no farm programs or crop insurance at that time to help farmers recover from their losses. Most were deeply in debt from the previous four years of grasshopper plague. Governor Pillsbury uh, proclaimed April 26, 1877 as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer and urged every man, woman, and child to ask God to prevent, to prevent the impending scourge. All those 50 million eggs or whatever are about to hatch. Pillsbury even donated $10,000 out of his own pocket to build a chapel. Uh, he says that they says over $222,000 in today's dollars. He donated $10,000 to build a chapel out of his own pocket. We might think of society as being much more godly 137 years ago, but history records that Governor Pillsbury's plan and his generosity were mocked by some. They called the idea Pillsbury's best. It was a spoof on the motto of his family's baking flour. This is the best he's got. The Liberal League of Minneapolis issued a statement. We hold that the belief in the power of prayer is palpably untrue. Its influence pernicious and in this day a marked discredit to the intelligence of Minnesotans. Then they finished off their comments with a statement from the beginning down to this day, outside of so-called sacred history, there's not one well-authorized instance of such a prayer having been answered, not one. Reporters from all over uh, the young nation descended on Minnesota to report uh, the latest in the, in the controversial idea of prayer for deliverance. Nonetheless, on April 26, 1877, all schools, shops, stores, and offices in Minnesota were closed. An article in the November 9, 1975 Milwaukee Journal recounts the day by saying, quote, saloons and theaters seemed strangely silent. Streets were deserted except for the steady stream of churchgoers moving slowly and silently to and from their places of worship. April 26, 1877 was also unusual in that it was a warm, sunny spring day. In fact, it was unreasonably warm, perfect for grasshopper eggs to hatch and the little larvae to come wiggling to life. Then, 
late that night, another unusual thing happened. A cold rain began to fall. The wind shifted from south to north. Rain changed to freezing rain, to sleet, and then to snow. The snow and freezing temperatures continued for two full days. And then on the third day, a Sunday, a full-fledged blizzard swept down out of Canada and hit the state. When the storm cleared up and the sun came out, the same etymologist who had predicted an impending disaster found that billions of little grasshoppers had been frozen to death shortly after hatching. And the Liberal League of whoever they were had never made any comments on the issue. <laughs> Farmers, farmers were able to harvest a crop of wheat, corn, and, 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 and grain that year. You see, well, it's the weather patterns. Okay, I'll give you that. I'm glad I know who controls the weather patterns, amen? <laughs> How about you? Almighty God does. By the way, if all the conditions are right somewhere else for locusts to hatch, then God can send a wind to blow them to another place because they pretty much go the way the wind blows. <laughs> You see who's in control? God is. And that's why he expects us to look at all these things and acknowledge what an awesome God he is. And to know that because he is a God that judges, and it's obvious that this world is under judgment, this world, is we're living on a cursed earth. And we ought to be ones who what? Realize that we're dust, we're frail, we're going to die. And we have to meet an almighty God. One day, the day of the Lord will come. And the only way to, to avoid the, the day of the Lord as far as the portion of it being the white throne judgment is to what? <laughs> is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then we, we get out before the tribulation period. And by the way, God has that for everyone, doesn't he? He has that for everyone. And, uh, and we can be thankful for that. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. We praise you for your power. And God, uh, uh, this world uh, speaks of nature uh, like it, it is in control and that, that, that it is ruling this, this world, dear God. But you are, you are sovereign. You are the creator of, of nature. You created us. And God, you are in ultimate control of all things. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. We do pray that you'd help us as believers during this pandemic. And Father, that we might glorify your name. We pray for deliverance, that we might be restored to uh, being able to, uh, to, to labor as much as we could with the gospel and in ways that we can't now, Father, with this COVID and, and the restrictions that have come with that. It's, it's made some things difficult. We can still be witnesses in the ways that we can help us to do that. And Father, we, we, do, we do pray for that. We pray for deliverance in this thing, but to glorify you, to glorify you uh, even through it, Father, for however long you would deem it to be here. And, and Father, we do want to think of these that are suffering over in India and East Africa and other places where it's spread even further uh, now. And Father, uh, we pray for, for, for believers there that you would help them. We pray for mercies, Father, that you might use this to show people that they need to turn to you. Uh, it's, it was so strange. It was, it, was, it was amazing to me as I did much reading on this that 
many uh, news localities and many the, who've written about it have, have even quoted that, that the, the relation between locust plagues uh, and, and the plague of Egypt in the Bible. And yet, and yet they've missed the God who had control over that. The same God, you, Lord God, who sent that plague, you're the one that took it away also. And Father, help us not to forget that. And so we pray, we pray uh, for that as well, God, if it's your will, that you give deliverance there as well. And Father, we thank you, we praise you. Lord, we're looking forward to your return. Uh, Father, help us to be faithful every day until you come. We pray as we have more days to walk this earth. And, and should you tarry, uh, we'll see folks this week. And, and Father, uh, help us to be witnesses for you, uh, to be a good example, a good witness for you, both in the way that we live and the words that we say, Father, and, and help us uh, to give you the glory to point people to Jesus as often as we can through our words and deeds. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.